Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcott from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Adela Mannheim. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That is me. I want to take a second to thank you if you're a newcomer to the show. I appreciate you giving the program a try. And uh, I'm always interested to know how you heard about the show and what intrigued you enough to uh, download this particular episode. So you can uh, let me know. You can always follow me on Twitter if you're not already. At TPS underscore Guy is how you can reach me there. And of course, if you're a returning listener, a long-time listener, or somebody who's maybe coming back to the show after a little while, uh, then welcome back, or thanks for sticking with the show. As always, we start with the question of the week. I put that up on Twitter just a few moments ago. Uh, the question this week is, which American city that has never hosted a World Junior Championship would you like to see get the chance? I also made note that uh, I've been on, uh, uh, I'm on the record for saying for a long time now that uh, I think Portland, Oregon home of the Portland Winterhawks, uh, should get a chance. And uh, I think uh, Seattle is now uh, a a destination I think would do well at the World Junior. Obviously, the proximity to Canada uh, can be important. Uh, But I think first and foremost, you have to have two buildings. And that's why uh, Portland works for me. They have uh, the uh, Rose Garden and Moda Center, where the Portland Winterhawks and the the Portland Trailblazers uh, play. Uh, they share a parking lot, so that that is that would be amazingly convenient for everybody, for fans, for media, for the players, for the teams. That would be my f- first choice. Uh, but I think Seattle is great. Uh, of course, right now you've got both the, the homes of the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Everett Silvertips right there, uh, and the new rink uh, that will be available here in the next uh, year or two. So those are my two top uh, choices, uh, but immediately got lots of responses. Uh, first was a good friend of the show, Chris Peters from ESPN. He says Tampa and Vegas. And uh, my first response was, well, do they have two buildings, though? Uh, and he replied that Tampa has Amelie and the Everblades rink in Estero. And that Vegas has T-Mobile and Orleans Arena, which was where the Wranglers played. And he says they can still put in ice. So if they have two buildings, then sure. They're really far from Canada, so you don't necessarily have that immediate, uh, you know, you're not going to be driving down for a couple hours across the border to get there. Uh, but certainly Vegas, you can get cheap flights. Uh, not sure. I've never flown to Tampa, so I don't know what that's like. But they have had success with the uh, Frozen Four in Tampa, so I can understand why Chris is uh, suggesting that. Also, nice places to go 
uh, potentially in uh, in December and early January. Uh, Lucas Punkeri from uh, Prince Albert at the uh, Daily Herald. He says uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities. Now you've got the home of the Minnesota Wild and uh, Mariucci Arena as well. So you could use those two. Dean Millard, uh, former co-host of this very show, uh, says Tampa and Florida, and he uh, says dot, 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 hockey hotbed. So that might be a bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Pete Judge says that New York City would be a disaster, but I'd love it. Um, Dustin from HockeyProspect.com, Dustin Braxma, says uh, the Twin Cities could even do St. Paul or St. Cloud or St. Paul and Mankato or St. Paul and Duluth. So there are definitely options there. Uh, one suggestion for Omaha. Uh, Sonny has chimed in. He says uh, he's listed four places. Uh, Portland. And then he says uh, Seattle. So he echoes my sentiments there. And then he goes with uh, Vegas. And his fourth choice, again, is Portland. So doubling down on uh, the Portland uh, vote, CHFA Hockey uh, suggests Minneapolis. So uh, definitely some options. And uh, it seems like there's about five cities, I guess, that are uh, leading the pack uh, here for the votes. But you can share your thoughts. Again, the inbox on Twitter. My address is at TPS underscore Gee. Get to the guest list in a little bit, but uh, let's get to the CHL news and notes. We start with the uh, top 10 rankings for this week. Coming into this weekend's play, the Ottawa 67s hold on to the number one spot. Those very Portland Winterhawks have jumped up to number two. Sherbrooke uh, has slipped. They're now three. They were number one in the country for the longest time, but have now uh, fallen a couple spots here over the last two or three weeks. Shakutami, four. Edmonton, five. Moncton is six. Kamloops, seven. Everett is 8, and the Windsor Spitfires are 9. That means the uh, Kitchener Rangers are 10. And uh, three honorable mentions, uh, two of them out of the OHL, being Peterborough and London, and the Medicine Hat Tigers getting some love as well, with an honorable mention out of the WHL. Leading scorers in uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Alexi Lafreniere continues to lead the pack. He has 81 points now. His teammate, Cedric Paré, with 72 Igor Sokolov of the Cape Breton Eagles has 66. Then it uh, drops down a bit to Xavier Simono of uh, Drummondville with 60. And uh, Maverick Bork of the Schwittingen Cataract has uh, 59 points. Draft eligible Samuel Lavich, which the Sherbrooke Phoenix is the top goaltender in both goals against and save percentage. He's followed by Kevin Mandelis in both categories, who is followed by Colton Ellis in both categories. And then Alexi Shank in both categories. So pretty consistent uh, in the queue for goaltenders. Skip over to the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Marco Rossi continues to lead the OHL, but Cole Perfetti hot on his heels. Rossi with 78 points. Perfetti with 77. Connor McMichael and uh, Phil Tomasino both with 72 points. And Arthur Kaliev uh, now has uh, 69 points. He of the Hamilton Bulldogs. And uh, like the Q, the top goaltender is the same guy in both categories. Nico Dawes of the Guelph Storm. He has a 221 goals against and a 935 save percentage. Next, the guys for goals against is uh, Cedric Andrew with the Ottawa 67s and Brett Brochu from London. Uh, save percentage-wise, after Nico Dawes, it's Jacob Ingham and Cedric Andrew again. Meanwhile, out west, Zane Franklin is the top scorer right now in the WHL. He has 72 points. Adam Beckman with 70. Jimmy Hamblin of the Medicine Hat Tigers has 69. Then a bit of a gap to Oren Santazo with 63. And Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers with 59 points. The uh, 
Top goalie for goals against is Dustin Wolf with a 198. He's also got the best save percentage with a 936. And Joel Hofer is next in both categories with a 203 and a 932. Shane Farkas also with a 932 save percentage, and he has a 211 goals against average. Sebastian Koso with uh, is fourth for goals against average. Liam Hughes recently uh, acquired by the Winnipeg Ice. And I say recently, I guess he's been there about a month now. Uh, but he is providing them some solid net mining. He is fifth in both goals against and save percentage. Quick look at the CJHL top 20 and uh, notable two Alberta Junior Hockey League teams at the top. The Brooks Bandits ranked number one, followed by the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Those two teams met about a week ago, and Sherwood Park won that game fairly lopsided, like 7-4. Uh, I wasn't there, but uh, folks I talked to that were said it was pretty lopsided game. So I'm a bit surprised to see the uh, the Bandits uh, ranked ahead of Sherwood Park. Anyway, Coquitlam from uh, the BCHL is third. Then you've got Summerside, Carlton Place, Battlefords, Okotoks is seven, Oakville is eight, Timmins, and uh, Longueuil out of Quebec is uh, ten. Now the next uh, natural step from junior hockey for a lot of players is U-Sports, and we can go through the U-Sports standings. In the OUA East, it is uh, still Carlton, the Ravens, who are in first place. Uh, UQTER is uh, close behind with 38 points uh, to Carlton's 41. The Ottawa Gigi's are third with 32. McGill has 26 points. McGill has dropped three in a row. Then in the West Division, you've got uh, Toronto, followed by Ryerson, Guelph, and Windsor. But Windsor has fallen on hard times. They've uh, dropped seven straight right now. Hottest teams are Ryerson and Guelph, who have won three straight. On the East Coast, wow, really... uh, Two teams going on opposite directions. UNB has won eight in a row. They are now in first place. Uh, meanwhile, Acadia has dropped four straight, and uh, now there's a five-point gap between those two teams. St. Mary's still third, uh, followed by Moncton. And in Canada West, uh, the U of A Golden Bears uh, continue to be in first place. Saskatchewan is the hottest team in the conference. They've won five in a row. They are second. Uh, Calgary has dropped three straight. They have uh, fallen to third place, followed by Mount Royal. Manitoba, UBC, Regina, and Lethbridge. Lethbridge really struggling. They've lost six straight, and they have the fewest points in all of U-sports. South of the border, going by the USCHO men's poll for this week. Coming into this weekend's play, Cornell is ranked number one with North Dakota 2 and Minnesota State at 3. Minnesota State's got a record of 22-3-1, yet they are ranked third, and that has got to be all about... uh, scheduling and who they've been playing because their record much better than North Dakota's who are 18-2-3. Meanwhile, Boston College is four, followed by Denver, Ohio State, Massachusetts, Clarkson, Penn State, and Providence. 11-20 through 20 goes uh, Minnesota Duluth. They're the defending uh, national champions two-time. Uh, then you, you have uh, UMass Lowell, the Riverhawks, followed by Arizona State, Northeastern, Northern Michigan, Harvard, Quinnipiac, Bowling Green, Michigan State, and Dartmouth is 20th. The USHL top prospect game uh, went recently. I guess they call it the All-American hockey game, but the new All-American prospects game uh, is not like the the former versions, as there are no high schoolers involved, no NAHL players involved, no CHL guys involved. So 
basically this was a ushl all-star team of draft eligible players against the u.s national development uh, team the u18 squad and uh, team usa smoked uh, the ushl all-star team uh, it was 6-1 the final final shots on goal 31 to 24 in favor of uh, team usa i guess for this game they called them team canoeble and the ushl squad was a uh, team gomez I'm not sure what's happening with the USHL right now. They've made some uh, decisions here in the last year that I, I can't say I'm down with this. Uh, I, and I get, I'm not going to pin it all on them because it's USA hockey as well, but I don't agree with this change to the all American top prospect game, uh, moving it from September to the, to January. Uh, I, I get the, the desire to be able to showcase team USA a little bit more, but I, you know, they, they play in spotlights all the time. I, I much preferred it when it was in September and it involved all the best draft eligible American players, no matter what league they played in. I, t to me, that made much more sense. Recently, they had that outdoor game in Texas that nobody went to. Just, I don't know, some puzzling uh, decisions there uh, from the USHL. Still a, a quality league. And uh, as they mentioned, when NHL Central Scouting rankings uh, came out, uh, 58 current USHL players uh, were listed. Although you look, closer at that list and some of the guys that they say are current ushl players aren't like blake biondi who was on a couple of weeks ago uh, they have him listed with the sioux city musketeers but he's played a couple of games for them he's playing uh, high school hockey in hermantown so um the ushl's always done a really good job of spinning things uh, in their favor and, and i mean even the headline 80 ushl uh, players or guys with ties to the league that includes players like Ilya Yusov of the Prince Albert Raiders in the WHL and, and Tanner Dickinson uh, from the Sioux Greyhounds of the OHL and a number of guys who are playing college hockey, uh, guys like Danny Waite, who's uh, in the BCHL with the Penticton Vs. Um, yes, they uh, once upon a time played in the USHL, but it's not where they're being drafted out of. Uh, it's, it's always kind of irked me a little bit. I understand why they do it, because it makes their league look better. But when you look closer at the USHL, if it wasn't for the U.S. National Development Team, I mean, they would have one guy listed in the first round instead of four or five. And they'd only have six or seven guys listed in the first two rounds or so. Uh, but with the program, it has certainly raised the profile of the USHL. So it's been a good partnership there. Anyway, I don't want to sound like I'm dumping on the USHL. It's it's a good league. It's obviously producing a lot of players for college, and uh, some of those guys, a lot of those guys, go on and play professionally. Just I I have to question some of the the decisions that they've made here in the last little bit. Anyway, let's get to the meat of the show and the guest list. Uh, here's what's coming down the pipe this week on the uh, the pipeline show. We're going to start it off. All four of my guests will be joining us via the Troubled Monk hotline. Troubled Monk from Red Deer, Alberta. New sponsor of the uh, hotline here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, if you like craft beer, I recommend you uh, track some down and try it. If uh, you don't have Troubled Monk available in your local liquor stores, uh, find out why. Ask the liquor store to bring it in uh, and try it. You can get a mixer pack right now. Uh, that's got the Golden Gates, the Bucktooth Belgian White, the Open Road American Brown Ale, and that's award-winning, by the way, and the uh, Pesky Pig Pale Ale. You can try all of those out of the mixer pack and if you happen to be around the red deer area you can get your hands on the rebels red it's inspired by the red deer rebels and the vacation lager as well that's uh, that's one of my favorites that one's really great uh, and i'm looking forward to trying i just picked up some stuff that i haven't tried before uh, including the troubled tea 
Uh, so looking forward to that. And the next time I'm down in Red Deer, I uh, hope to get there early enough before a Rebels uh, Oil Kings game uh, that I can uh, go check out the brewery and have a tour. You can set that up ahead of time if you want to go check that out. And they have stuff on tap available there that uh, isn't in liquor stores. So that'd be really worth the while to uh, stop in and uh, check that out. So first up, joining me on the Troubled Monk Hotline will be Jerome Brube from HockeyProspect.com. The new rankings for HockeyProspect.com just came out, and so we wanted to talk about some of the guys that uh, Jerome has seen, and I wanted to ask him specifically about one of their uh, highly rated guys named Tim Stutzel, the uh, German who was outstanding at the World Junior Championship. So uh, we'll get to know some players and uh, pick Jerome's brain about those guys who are eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Then it'll be uh, time for our NCAA campus report. And the player in the spotlight today will be Matt Tugnut. He's a outstanding forward at Sacred Heart, leading the Pioneers, or one of their leading scorers this year, but the Pioneers having a really strong season. Matt Tugnut will be my guest. Then we're going to have a pair of 2020 draft spotlight segments. We're going to start with uh, one of the leading scorers out of the WHL. His name is Connor Zary. I mentioned him earlier, having a terrific year for the Kamloops Blazers. You get to meet him. And we'll end it today with another spotlight segment. Jackson Coons, he's a uh, six foot three, 210, 17-year-old forward uh, playing at Shattuck St. Mary's right now, headed to North Dakota when his uh, high school career is done. Might have a stop in the USHL in between, uh, but you'll get to know him as well. The, all of that coming up on the Pipeline Show today. As you know, my CHL insider guests, uh, anybody from the CHL, those segments are brought to you in part by the store next door out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, employing people with disabilities and uh, really taking some, uh, just a great project uh, to support. Around here, a friend uh, Roger Kramers uh, was organizing a drive to uh, collect broken hockey sticks uh, along with the uh, United Sport and Cycle here in the Edmonton area, and uh, they are shipping off 200 broken sticks to the store next door. And they're going to take those sticks and they're going to make some really cool items out of them. Uh, you can go to their website, thestorenextdoor.ca. You can see the list of all the products that they make from those broken hockey sticks. And there might be something that appeals to you. WHL segments like the one with Connor Zary coming up. They're brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by going to dubnetwork.ca. Make it uh, a stop that you do every day. Or you can subscribe to get your daily dose of the dub. It'll get emailed to you, has a nice summary of everything that's happening around the league. All right, but let's get to our first guest, and uh, his name is Jerome Berube, HockeyProspect.com scout based in Quebec. Let's pick his brain about four players that are up for the NHL draft this June. That's coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. And Raymond stays with him, Lafreniere pokes it ahead, still has it. Rolling puck, Lafreniere works in, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexi Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The 
store next door gift shop is a Yarmouth based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it! We are back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to begin this week's episode in uh, fine fashion as uh, the uh, new rankings for HockeyProspect.com are out, freshly out of the oven, still a little warm. And uh, so we wanted to get Mark Edwards on the show, but he's not available, so we're upgrading. Jerome Berube uh, taking place of Mark uh, this this time around. Uh, Jerome, welcome back to the show. How are you? Pretty good, Geet. Thanks for having me on. Great to uh, catch up once again, and the uh, the rankings again, uh, just out here in the last uh, few days. As we would expect, there's some changes, but not at the very, very top. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere still the number one guy, and I don't think anybody's expecting that to change uh, after the World Junior Championship that he had. Uh, why is he clearly the best guy in the draft this year, in your mind? Well, I mean, personally, like I've seen him play for <laughs> four, five years now, so I goes back to actually Bantam year or so. Um, I just think he's the total package as far as like a prospect goes this year. Um, very high hockey IQ. Obviously the skill level is really high. Um, like he competes, you know, really well too. Um, it's not a whole lot of weakness for him. I mean, like pretty much everything is close to elite for him. Other maybe that is skating, but like his skating is fine. He's just probably not like at the same level as his, you know, the skill level and his hockey sense. But um, you know, his skating is fine. I think is has improved a bit this year. So um, is you know, I think we saw it the World Junior. Um, he's uh, he's a high end player, obviously, and uh, I think he proved it at the international stage this year and. It, you know, it was something we knew, everyone in the queue knew about him. And, then, you know, it was nice to see him perform at, like, the, well, technically at the biggest stage of when he draft eligible this year at the World Junior. You know, you mentioned that you've been watching this guy play for five years. Is there something that he does today that you're surprised that, um, you know, five years ago, if I would have told you he does this really well, you would have been surprised? Is there, you know, one aspect of his game that he's better at than you thought he would be? Um, I'd say probably, like, a, his physical game is really, uh, um, well, I mean, not that he was, like, soft or anything like that, but, but playing a physical game, I think we saw at the World Junior a bit, you know, setting setting up the tempo for his team with, like, a big hit here and there. I think it's something that I would say... I would argue that probably surprised me a bit uh, if I look back at 
you know, four or five years ago, but the rest of his skill set was pretty like, you have to be blind to not see that he, he was, uh, I am players, uh, even in, in Bantam in, in Midget, he, uh, he had a great team uh, with Santa Stash. Um, you know, actually played with uh, Nathan Lagari, who's Penguins uh, draft pick. So they were a great duo in Midget. And um, so, I mean, the skill level was always there. So nothing really surprised me other than maybe like his physical game has, you know, took another level maybe in the last uh, year or two. In your mind, how big of a gap is there from him to everybody else? I guess right now there's a good gap. Um, obviously, you have to take in, into consideration that he's, you know, a, in some cases a year older than the other guys. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so right now I'd say the the gap is, you know, it's a good gap. But you know, in two, three, four years, we might look back at this draft and well, uh, you know, this guy, the uh, Stutzler, uh, oh, he's closer than or a bicycle, they're a lot closer than they were like. Three, three, four years ago. So, right. um, so, so always a difficult part with you know late birthday, uh, late birthday players. Uh, but you know, I'm not too worried about the left I think uh, it'll be a really, really good NHL. Or, um, probably starting next year. Probably starting next year. Uh, okay, that gap. Uh, the next couple guys are Quinton Byfield and Tim Stutzel. We'll talk about Stutzel here in a second, but. Um, He's not the next guy out of the queue that's available. I think uh, in on your rankings, uh, Dawson Mercer is the next guy in the queue. But uh, we want to talk about Maverick Bork, um, who we haven't talked a whole lot about on this show yet this year. I haven't had him on the program. But 56 points in 42 games right now, so well past a point per game. And he's got 25 goals. Now, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, that point production is certainly noteworthy. What kind of a player is he? Maverick is a... You know, obviously, he's another guy I've, I've seen in this case for three years now. Um, he, uh, he's, he's always been a really, uh, uh, smart hockey player. Um, he was, you know, a bit on the small side in, in Ninja, and so he grew a bit. Um, now he's about, you know, five, maybe he's 5'11 right now. Um, if not 5'10. Um, very intelligent hockey player. Um, can play. Pretty much anywhere in your lineup. Uh, the best example of this is <clears throat> obviously in the queue is a first line player with Sean again. Um, but if you look at the Olinka in August, he was like the fourth line center on, on Team Canada. Mm-hmm. The guy was always, uh, you know, number one PK unit as well. So he, uh, he can play pretty much anywhere in your lineup. He can usually he's a center, but he can also play on the wing. If, uh, you can put him on, on right wing. Um, so he's a pretty uh, consistent player. Um, you know, he, he, this year, if you look at his game by game, uh, stats, um, he didn't, uh, he didn't go many games without a point. So I think he had like a 16 game point streak at some point this year. Hmm. Um, so, uh, he's a player I really like. Um, obviously his hockey IQ is probably the best part of, of this game. Um, and uh, he's also a guy with, with a good compete level. Um, he competes at, at both ends of the ice. Um, he, um, you know, the thing with him, uh, I think we'll get better as he gets stronger a bit is his skating. So that probably right now be his biggest weakness. And, you know, that size skating combo is probably um, 
I'd say average right now. Um, but um, he's so smart that he, he, you know, it doesn't really affect him. And uh, he also works really hard and, uh, you know, makes player player around him better. Um, if you watch uh, Shawnee Gam, like he's the he's the focal point of that team. Everything goes through him, uh, either offensively or defensively. Um, you know, he's the he's the he's the main. You know, he's the best player by far. Well, he had 54 points last year, 25 of which were goals. He's already at that point now, and he's still got 25 games or so left to go in the uh, regular season this year. So, uh, Maverick Bork uh, had a really good rookie season and uh, taking it to another level. He is uh, ranked 21 by HockeyProspect.com right now. Uh, now, Theo Rochette is an interesting player. Uh, he's uh, also obviously draft eligible, but played for Switzerland for a, a number of years, but has now switched and uh, most recently played internationally with Canada. And uh, do we assume moving forward that, uh, you know, at, at the World U18s or uh, the World Junior Championship, the U20s, has he switched his allegiance now to Hockey Canada? Do we know? Um, actually, I heard, I heard an interview with him uh, in January, and he said that he has, like, some thinking to do about mm-hmm. this. So, um, so the U18 is coming up. Uh, obviously, Quebec. Uh, so he's not with the Quebec Rampart. Um, so they're not going to go far in the playoffs. So, um, yeah. so I'm not sure what he's going to do, but I'm, I'm leaning towards that he might go back playing for Switzerland, maybe. Um, so um, that be my guess right now. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's been the it's been a challenging year for him to be, uh, to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, start, yeah, you know, started the year, uh, I saw him two games the first weekend. I thought I was like, huh, oh, maybe it's just the first weekend because I, I didn't think he was, you know, really good in those games. I thought he lacked some energy. And then, you know, two weekend or two weekends after that, you know, it was an LTM model. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. It makes more sense now. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's been a challenging year for him. Came back with Shkudimi, uh, in, in November. And, uh, so it was a bit tough at the beginning. Um, uh, so his ice time was not, uh, he was struggling a bit with ice time and Shkudimi was, we knew Shkudimi was going to add a lot of players at the, at the trade deadline. So, um, um, so he got moved to Quebec and now he's back. Being a, a top line player with, uh, with the Rampart. Um, so he's playing, you know, top line, top PP, top PK as well. So he's getting more, sh- more time to, uh, to play right now, which is, which is good for him. And, uh, so, uh, he's playing with, uh, James Manatesta, who's, uh, one of the top rookie in, in the Q this year and a guy we're probably going to talk a lot, a lot about next year. So, um, so, uh, so, um, so in his case, uh, he's, uh, with the mono, he, he lost some, uh, I, I think he lost about 10 pounds during, mm-hmm. during that. So I, it's going to take a bit time for him to get back to his full, uh, fully LT. Um, I think he's, he's getting there now. Um, but at the beginning it was a bit, a bit tough on him. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not a big guy. So, um, losing, uh, 10 pounds was a bit, uh, tough for him. Yeah, I think he's listed at 
what about five ten and maybe one hundred and sixty pounds somewhere in there. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, if you're if you're that small already and losing ten pounds, uh, that's going to set you back. And boy, missing that much time with mono and that can be such a um, an illness that really just saps the energy out of you. And I know it affects players differently from one player uh, to the next, but um, I, I look at the World U18 and I wonder, man, that's got to be so important for him to have a good good showing there then, and that makes it even more interesting to see if he's going to pick yeah. Switzerland or, or Canada to, uh, to play for. Yeah, it's a, and also like it's a, it's a really the, the first IIHF event, so there's no yeah. going back. So it's like right. if, you, if you play for Switzerland, you'll play for Switzerland the, the rest of this. The rest of his career, so um, we'll see. All right, well, let's end it with uh, Tim Stutzel from uh, from Germany. He's playing for Adler Mannheim, same team as uh, Moritz Seider was on last year, and uh, he's stepped right into playing pro hockey in North America. And uh, boy, by all accounts, uh, Stutzel could be uh, following in his footsteps. Uh, now he's listed at six foot and about 190 pounds, so he's not too small to to do that. Um, and boy, it seems like a guy whose stock just went up and up and up after the World Junior Championship. There were a lot of people who knew about him already, but uh, getting on that stage, now a lot of people know about him. Yeah, obviously, when you play at the World Junior, uh, a lot of uh, eyes will be on you, and you know if you do well, uh, pretty much everyone's going to talk about you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, in this case, uh, I mean, we had him number five in our November rankings, so, yeah. um, and he was in, in the conversation for number three, so... You know, we have Askarov, Raymond, uh, Stutzler, and uh, Perfetti in the three to six uh, range in November, and all four of those guys were pretty tight. So um, if now he's, you know, after the World Junior, he moved up to number three, but it's not that big of a move for us. Um, all all of those four guys were pretty close for us. So obviously, Stutzler played pretty well the World Junior. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to dislike about his game. <laughs> he's, he's a really fun player to watch. Really, uh, you know, really good hockey sense, really good handler, um, great playmaker as well. Uh, really, really fun player to watch. And, uh, so yeah, so right now he's number three. And now, uh, you know, um, we'll see if he can, uh, go ahead and, and move up to number two until our, uh, Final final ranking in uh, in June. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a great battle between uh, Byfield and 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 him. And uh, so um, we'll see what happens. Last year he had 23 goals in 21 games, but that was playing junior back in in Germany. This year he's playing against men in Germany. He's only got six goals though this year in 28 games, uh, and he had no goals at the World Junior Championship either. And that is all against his his own age group. Any concern with uh, lack of scoring this year? Not really. Um, I mean, the World Junior, I, I, I always say the World Junior for me, or whatever you get from a 17 years old, the World Junior, it's only a, a bonus. And if they don't do well, you don't care, basically. You know, I don't I don't really care that Bicel didn't get a lot of ice time, or when he did, he didn't play too well. I don't I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, if you look at Stutzberg, like, yeah, but I, if you look at him shooting the puck, I think his shot is really good. Just not sure, not really sure why he's not scoring as much in the German league. But you have to remember, like he's playing against men, so um, he's obviously a playmaker, a 
playmaker first. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he does that really well. But um, I'm not too worried about uh, the goal scoring. I mean, I like I like his shot. I think he really shoots the puck well. Um, I think with times, I think those numbers will get better. And uh, um, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, he, he is a point-per-game player uh, playing against men right now. It's just most of those points are, are assists, and that seems to be a bit different for him from what he's uh, maybe used to uh, at previous levels when he was uh, uh, as a junior growing up. So I just wondered if that was a concern. But uh, maybe, you know, he just turned 18 here, uh, what, about a week ago. Uh, so uh, I, I think we can give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, Jerome, I really appreciate your time. Uh, what's coming up next for HockeyProspect.com? Well, I mean, we keep uh, we keep going to games, obviously, uh, every week. Um, we're recording Tuesday, so tomorrow I'm in Drumville. Actually, going to see Lafreniere tomorrow, and um, we're um, you know keep digging. Like Black Book season is slowly approaching, so as we call it, L season is uh, on its way, and uh, so. Um, Keep uh, watching, keep checking our website. We got, we get some like podcasts here and there that we're gonna post, and uh, and uh, obviously if you're a subscriber, you get all of our game reports and uh, some uh, some other things might you know come on come on as well on the website soon. So keep an eye on it. Excellent. We will do that in the black book. So much information and uh, must take a ton of time to, to put together. So we'll uh, we'll let you get to that. Jerome, I really appreciate your time. Look forward to chatting with you again. Uh, thank you. That was Jerome Brube from HockeyProspect.com joining me on the Troubled Monk hotline. It's always interesting to get a scout's take on uh, some of the players that are eligible for the draft, especially some of the high-ranking guys uh, like uh, Tim Stutzel and, of course, Alexi Lafreniere. At the start, and he's seen that guy for a lot of years, so uh, I really wanted to to get Barube's take on uh, Lafreniere and just how he's maybe evolved as a player here over the last uh, number of years. Okay, up next will be our NCAA campus report. We don't talk a lot of Sacred Heart hockey here on the Pipeline Show, but uh, we got a Canadian who's having a terrific season south of the border, so wanted to get him on. His name is Matt Tugnut. You'll learn more about him and the program. Next, here on the Pipeline Show. Smirnoff breaks across, turns it over to Allison. Here he comes, one-on-one. Allison, deep left, shoots, scores! He undressed a defender at the right slot. He went backhander, turned to the forehand, and wristed it under Wishow. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. She's the girl of my dream, she's the girl of my mind. She's the play me for a fool, cause she's the hunting kind. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! And Duncan Keith. And future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh my! We are back on the Pipeline Show, and we're going to uh, do our NCAA campus report, and that, of course, always brought to you by our friends at College Hockey Inc. If you are a player, or you have a player in your family exploring all your options, and you need to know what you have to do to maintain your NCAA 
eligibility, well, the folks over at College Hockey Inc. can answer a lot of the questions that you might have. And uh, my guest today is a Canadian who is going the college route, Matt Tugnet from Sacred Heart. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you today, Matt? Pretty good to you. Thank you for having me. No problem whatsoever. Uh, great to get a chance to speak with you. And, uh, boy, you guys are having a, a pretty strong year, top spot in the Atlantic Hockey Conference right now. And, and you yourself, uh, the, the points are uh, piling up for you, Matt. Probably couldn't have scripted a better season for you right now, could you? Yeah, it's been a good year all around. Uh, the team has been playing great this year so far, and uh, we want to keep that going. And uh, with me, it's I uh, just got the line mates are helping me out with uh, getting pucks in and uh, making sure we're getting the team going every game. Good teammate always credits his line mates. Uh, who, who are you playing with for the most part this year, or does Coach uh, uh, mix it up? Uh, so right now, uh, I've been with the – the same linemates for almost the whole season. Uh, Jason Cotton, one of our captains, he's the center. Then uh, actually a Alberta native, native uh, Braden Tuck. Canadian connection there. That's uh, that's nice to see. Uh, for you, now this is year three, so uh, your junior season, and, and uh, you, you had a really strong rookie campaign at 24 points as a freshman a couple of years ago. 18 points last year. You did play six fewer games, but uh, this year you've already equaled your uh, your career high. So is that just a, a natural function of being your third year and having that much experience, or you know, or what would you credit to the, uh, the to the offensive production if not just your line mates? I think with that, it's uh, one of those things like you're kind of used to like the game aspect when it comes to college hockey. Now you're like you're not that underclassman where uh, you feel younger compared to the other players. You feel like you're more uh, older and like you knew know exactly what you have to do when it comes to games or when it comes to practice and be, how to be prepared for each game. Uh, now yourself, 12 goals, 12 assists for those 24 points uh, in 24 games. Do you see yourself more as a, a shooter or a setup guy? Um, I try to be either way. It's uh, it's one of those, like, if i in a certain position, or I need to take that shot. If not, where uh, someone is back door or uh, give it to someone for a better shooting angle, you got to give it to them. So I think I can do both. But uh, one of those things where uh, if I get the puck where I need it from a good pass from a teammate or I give it to a player, teammate where he can get in and that's uh, always best it's funny because last year exactly split in half as well uh, when he had 18 points and nine of nine of the more goals and nine assists as well so it's, this is nothing really new for you yeah yeah with that it's just one of those things like when you when you get hot you get hot i think when it comes to goals but uh they're always give you a couple bumps but i think with uh, having good line mates to help you get goals or assists i think it's pretty easy well the schedule uh, so far for you for you guys this year and i guess we're uh into the uh the stretch drive now and a big uh, game this weekend against uh, yale and uh, that's sort of a, a tournament isn't it a little mini tournament because you don't know who you're playing on sunday yet yeah so right now it's uh yeah we're uh, playing against yale the first game on the saturday where it's uh, called the uh, connecticut ice which is the battle of connecticut so it's us yale then uh quinnipiac and uh, uconn would be playing against each other so we don't know how the su- Sunday will be. It just depends on how well we do on Saturday, of course. Well, is that fun almost because it's a bit of a mystery? You don't really know how to prepare uh, exactly? Or when you have a situation like that, is it more about executing your game plan and, and trusting if you do that, uh, that'll bring you success? Yeah, with that, it's uh, more executing and thinking about the first game and uh, not worrying about the second one where you one game at a time and uh, be ready for what's to come. Uh, now, you haven't played uh, Yale yet this year, and uh, I know they're out of the conference, so you, you probably don't play them all that much, but those out-of-conference games, when it comes to the pairwise and stuff, they can be pretty important. Oh, yeah, especially uh, even when you're playing in against Connecticut teams, I think it's a bit of a rivalry to prove uh, who's 
I got some bragging rights, and it's always fun to play against in-state, where I think it's more competitive than playing against someone out of con- uh, out of conference from a different state. Right. So yeah, like with pairwise, every game you can get win, tie, or anything is huge. Uh, Matt, let's get a bit of background uh, on you. I mentioned you're Canadian. Where are you from? Uh, right now, uh, I live in Peterborough, Ontario, just uh, two hours away from Toronto. And uh, before that, I was living in Ottawa, Ontario. You were in Ottawa then, and your your dad. For those who don't know, your dad, Ron Tugnet, uh, a longtime yeah. NHL goaltender, was in Ottawa. I think right around the time you were born, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, I was actually uh, born in the states, so I'm Nate. I'm a, uh, I got dual citizenship, okay. and with that, both of my parents are Canadian, and made me uh, partially Canadian now. And uh, was born in Portland. Then we moved to Ottawa for him to play hockey. Then he uh, played for two more teams. Then moved back to Ottawa after he was done playing pros. Now you would be. Do you have memories of him playing at all, or you would have been pretty young? Uh, I remember the. Uh, uh, near the end with his last two teams with um, Columbus and Dallas. Mostly right. Dallas just because I was getting older, of course. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, after games, going into the locker room if we were able to, or even after practice is over, going on the ice with him and like messing around, which always, was always fun to do because not a lot of people have that opportunity, which I was happy to be able to. Yeah. And uh, with that, just uh, it was a fun experience just to be able to do that and just a lot of mini sticks out there, right? that's for sure. <laughs> that, now I know he was coaching, and and uh, seems like uh, wherever you were playing, he was part of that coaching staff uh, a lot in in uh, Peterborough and Kempville as well. Uh, what's that like having uh, a coach living in the house like that? Hockey twenty four seven, that's yeah. for sure. So, uh, but that like it was always good because I know like he's gonna uh, tell me the truth if I need to work on stuff, and I know he's not gonna he's gonna give me a straight answer, which I appreciate. I rather know what I can fix, and uh, thankfully it's helped a, a lot. I suppose you get asked all the time why you didn't uh, become a goaltender yourself. Did you ever try it when you were younger? Uh, I tried it a little bit when I was younger. Just uh, it wasn't that fun. I liked moving around, making always getting the puck. And uh, to be honest, it wasn't that fun getting pucks shot at me for fun every day. <laughs> now speaking yeah. of uh, shots, uh, I'm old enough to remember, but uh, I'm sure you've heard the stories of the '70 uh, save uh, game against the Boston Bruins. How often did that get brought up? A good amount of times. Uh, usually, <laughs> it's like once a year. I hear around that time of the year and uh i wasn't even born yet that's how long it's been yeah but yeah it's a it's a huge deal and like people from this area know about it just because we're near uh, massachusetts so it's awesome to hear still uh, i remember vividly uh, now i would have been probably in my early teens or something like that back then but you know playing road hockey or something that was such a big game for him that you know kids are the go- whoever the goalie is i'm ron tugnet today you know it's it was that big of a game i have to think you know when you're 12 years old or something and, and your dad says hey uh, Matt take the garbage out and you give him flack does he ever break out the listen kid I had a 70 save sh- you know game against the Boston Bruins take the garbage out yeah with that uh <laughs> still it's probably can pull that on me if you want of course but yeah like uh growing up can mess he messes me around with that saying that so uh it was always funny to hear but it's also like a huge compliment accomplishment for him as well which I'm proud of Matt Tugnett, my guest, he's a forward with the uh, Sacred Heart Pioneers in the NCAA in year three uh, with the Pioneers. Um, now, I have to ask you, I mean, Canadian guy, most of the time we, we talk about Canadians and going the CHL route, and uh, you were in the Peterborough area. The Peets drafted you. Uh, how tempting was it uh, for you to go and play in the OHL? Uh, at first, of course, that was like the big thing. Uh, right where I live in Peterborough as well, it, you don't hear a lot of kids going to college hockey, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. 
And with that, uh, I didn't really know, like, realize college hockey was a, a route just until I was like 17 or 18, where I was playing juniors in Ottawa. And with that, it's just I just where Peterborough was. It's just like you said, everyone wants to go play in the CHL. But I think with my game, I I think I wasn't fully uh, ready for that. I think where like a lot of people, like if you didn't hit your uh, your steps going into 17 or 16 and you weren't ready for the OHL or the CHL, I think the college route is a huge step for you where you can play a couple of years in junior to be ready for college. So what led you to Sacred Heart? Why was that the uh, the program that felt like the right fit? They always wanted, like they were always uh, interested. They always kept talking to me week in, almost every week, seeing how I was in uh, juniors. And I just, uh, I really attract, like, uh, liked how they get the attention from them. They were uh, really compelling and uh, like really easy to come on campus, talk to me on campus, what I was going to be doing for their program. So it was like a huge honor just even commit here and uh, see what has been uh, happening since I've been here. Always intrigued uh, when uh, when I get the answer for this next question because a lot of guys will use the NCAA uh, path to further their hockey career and other guys will use hockey to further their education. What is it for you, Matt? Of course, when you come to college for a college hockey student athlete, it's uh, of course everyone wants to go pro, but it's one of those things like if pro doesn't happen or you don't play it for that long period of time, you still have that academic mm-hmm. side of it, which is awesome. So with me, I'm, I think that's a 50-50 for me where, of course, I want to play pro, but if it's something where I don't do for a long term or anything like that, I still have that college education. So what are you studying? Uh, sports management. Oh, interesting. So I project that, you know, five years or ten years from now, if you've hung up your skates as a player, what what will that enable you to be? Uh, with that, just uh, front office of uh, any NHL teams or any sports teams for that matter, and uh, working on the business side more than the uh, athletic side. Tells me you must be a fantasy hockey guy. No, I don't really play that much. Uh, really? I'm more I'm more interested in just watching hockey. It's like it's fun to do that. But uh, I wasn't uh, haven't been doing it as of late. It's just one of those things that I just enjoy just watching hockey. So did you have a a favorite NHL team growing up, or when you have connections to several different clubs, could you nail one down? Uh, of course, growing up, uh, I was always voting for the team my dad played for. Of but course. since he uh, hung up the skates, I think it's been Pittsburgh since uh, since a while actually for at least fifteen or sixteen years. It's just one of those teams I was like really attracted to and. Uh, Still a Pittsburgh fan today, so just hopefully they keep it going. Well, as a Flyers fan, I hate that answer, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries at all. Um, yeah. All right, well, Matt, when uh, yeah, I mean, you've got another uh, a third of the season left to go here this year, and and another year of eligibility after that. By the time you're done your uh, your NCAA uh, college playing career, like, what are you trying to add to your game? How do you round out your game so that by the time you're done your college career, you're ready to play pro hockey and, and maybe earn that contract? Oh, uh, with that, I think being like a full 200-feet player, be able to play defense and offense is a huge thing in hockey where, like, you got to make sure you be able to defend, but you also got to make sure you can put the puck in at the other end. Right. And I also just be that guy to be uh, rely on when it comes to scoring a goal at the end of the game or protecting the lead at the end of the game. I want to be the person out there, of course, and uh, help our team win no matter what. Excellent. Well, Matt, the uh, Pioneers having a really strong season, uh, top spot right now. That doesn't necessarily guarantee uh, uh, an entry into the uh, national championship or the national tournament at the end of the year, but uh, putting you in pretty good position 
in the uh, conference playoffs, and maybe you get that uh, that automatic bid if you can win your conference playoffs. But there's got to be a lot of confidence in the dressing room right now. Oh yeah, for sure. With us, it's we love being coming to the rink every day. It's, uh, winning changes everything, as I say it. Just uh, everyone wants to be here. Everyone enjoys playing, coming, playing games, enjoys practice every time. And with that, it's just if we want to keep it going for sure. Awesome, Matt. I appreciate your time. Good luck against Yale this weekend and uh, the rest of the way this season. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Matt Tugnett from Sacred Heart, the Pioneers, uh, joining me via the Troubled Monk Hotline. Excellent season for uh, both Tugnut and the Pioneers as they are sitting currently in first place in the Atlantic Conference, but uh, trailing Army right now in the pairwise. So uh, they've got some work cut out for them, and they've got uh, a busy schedule in the second half as well. Uh, they will play Army, and they will play American International as well as at Niagara before it's all said and done, and Air Force. So tough schedule within the conference. Coming up next, we turn on the 2020 draft spotlight. Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers joins me next. Left wing side, surveys Borowski to the offensive zone. Pass right side, Henry is shot and he scores! Oh, what a goal! 21 seconds into the second, and the Pats lead 3-0. Hey, uh, this is Nick Henry from the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. Saturday night at 7, help paint Rogers Place purple as your Edmonton Oil Kings face off against the Winnipeg Ice in the first United Against Cancer game. Get there early to purchase your limited edition Purple Oil Kings 2 with proceeds going to local charity. And pick up a sign to take part in a special pre-game ceremony. Don't miss the Oil Kings live. Puck drops Saturday at 7. Great family fun entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Back on The Pipeline Show, and we are going to turn on the 2020 Draft Spotlight. It's also an in-the-dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by uh, bookmarking dubnetwork.ca. Make it one of your daily stops. Uh, every day to keep up to date. Uh, my guest today is draft eligible, and everybody considers him a uh, uh, almost a, a lock to be a first-round pick. He is uh, ripping up the WHL this year. Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, but uh, I am not uh, one of the leading scorers in the WHL and, and um, on a team that is one of the top teams in the league either. So i got to think that life was pretty good for Connor Zeri right now. Yeah, I think they're... Things are looking up pretty pretty well right now. It's it's been a pretty fun year, and I'm I'm just enjoying it while I can. And coming off a, uh, a pretty strong performance at the top prospect game as well, can you put your finger on what's gone right for you and the team this year? Because everything seems to be clicking. Yeah, I think just team wise, we we really gelled. We've come together kind of a more than just a hockey team. We're kind of a family here right now, and it seems like we're such a tight knit group that that everything's going our way and we're kind of just we're playing as a whole team not just not just one or two lines or, or a few guys are going it's every single guy every single night right now so it's been pretty special so far and then and personally I'm just just enjoying the moment just living every day and having fun kind of thing third year in the WHL for yourself uh, that's got to help being a, a late birthday in that regard though where you know you're into your NHL draft year but you've got lots of experience at this level so that production Pretty much what I think you would probably have expected for yourself 
uh, at the start of the season. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree, especially being being a lot more comfortable coming in as a third year. You have that late birthday advantage coming in for your draft year, and obviously it's still still a big year, still lots of pressure, but just being able to, to know the guys in your team and know that you're going to be a veteran presence and, and a leader, it makes it a lot easier when when you can kind of kind of be that go-to guy. Now, that said, 28 goals in 39 games is uh, pretty awesome, 59 points uh, along the way. Did you have statistical goals in mind for yourself at the start of the year that, that you can share? Yeah, I kind of I kind of had a few goals set, and I just wanted to make sure uh, I was reaching them. I kind of looked at what guys guys had last year that were going in the first round and, and everything like that, and I knew that I was capable of a lot of things and having 57 points last year, so I set my goals a lot higher than that. But I think it's just not – being too focused on points wise it's just it's just playing your game and, and you know that that it, there's always someone watching so you just play your heart hard out every night kind of thing and and things will fall into place Connor area the Kamloops Blazers my guest here on the pipeline show and uh, in this part of the show uh, Connor we like to let my audience kind of get to know somebody in your position being that it's your NHL draft year so casual NHL fans that don't follow the WHL might listen to this uh, in June or something, uh, getting ready for the draft. So let's let's get a bit of background on you, if you don't mind. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. How old were you when you first started playing hockey? Do you remember? Oof. I, I started skating when I was like two, three years old, and then right when five, when you can get into organized hockey, that's exactly when I started. Who got you into hockey at that young age? My mom and dad, we, they got a pair of skates for my brother, and then they got me a pair of skates, and we just kind of went public skating from then on, and I just I just fell in love with, with skating and, and the game, and I always kind of loved it since then. And then just watching hockey with my, my dad growing up, just, just always a good time. Older brother or younger brother? Older brother. How many years older? Two years older. He's, he's in his third year of business in, in university. Okay. Did he play as a kid? No, he, he didn't. He, uh, my parents tried to see if he wanted to, and he, he never ended up doing it. He played a bunch of other sports, but he never got into hockey. Okay. Uh, now, for you, you're a forward. Uh, have you always been a forward, or did you try any other positions along the way? Yeah, I, I've kind of always been a forward. I, I know uh, growing up playing, playing summer hockey, and, and when you're younger, you get a chance to play goalie and, like, and that. And whenever I played road hockey with my buddies, I'd, I'd, I'd be goalie, and I'd switch it off, and I always had fun trying other things. So, But for me, it's always been it's always been a forward in, in ice hockey. I imagine when you were a kid, though, like in in uh, novice or something, you got to take your turn in net. How'd that go for you? Yeah, I, I always liked playing goalie, especially even playing road hockey growing up. I always kind of liked playing goalie. I thought it was fun, and <laughs> I thought I was pretty good at it, but others would probably disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Connor Zary is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the uh, uh, Draft Spotlight segment. In a second-round pick back in 2016 by the Blazers, uh, I've talked to a lot of players on this show over the years, and you know, a lot of them reflect on the on what the Bantam draft meant for them and how they spent that day. Some guys get to stay home from school, and other guys are at school following along on their phones. What was draft day like for you? For me, it's just kind of just at school, following along on my phone. I think I had a lot of teachers that kind of grew up playing hockey and everything, and they all knew what the what the WHL was and and the draft kind of thing. And there, I had a few teachers ask me if I'd be on yet, and it was kind of just checking my phone, wandering the halls, and then. When I got uh when I got my name called, it was kind of just <laughs> I was out of class, just answering phone calls and stuff, and I, I missed the whole class. So, and I just uh I went home after that pretty much. 
Well, uh, you're from Saskatoon, Kamloops, uh, for, you know, the casual fan who might not know Western Canadian geography. It's a couple provinces away, so a long way. What was your initial reaction to that, knowing you'd be uh, moving away uh, pretty far? Yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. Obviously, it's follow your dreams kind of thing. I, I knew it was, it was going to happen. No matter where it was, I'd be moving away from home. I didn't, didn't really expect to get drafted by Saskatoon, so... I kind of, I was kind of ready for it, and I was excited for the opportunity. And obviously, Canada is such a great city, and and so much history as a team. It's it's a pretty special moment. How big were you on draft day? Because it, you know, looking back, and and not necessarily some of the players who were drafted ahead of you, but just the fact you were a second round pick, and now you're one of the leading scorers in the league. It's uh, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine that you were still available uh, when Kamloops was drafting you, unless you were like five five or something back then. No, I I was probably five nine. 510 and still growing and hmm. probably 160 pounds so i wasn't really too far out of what everyone else was i think everyone was around 5'9 and growing and obviously there's a couple monsters that were that were six feet or six foot two but i wasn't really out of the ordinary being really short so so is that a motivator for you being a second round pick were you thinking you know what i should have been a first round pick or i'm better than that guy or that guy <laughs> yeah i think i think you always got to look at it a way like that like if you if you don't think you can be better than someone, you're not you're not going to be better than them, and you got to have that mindset that you're going to be confident that that I think I should have been a first round pick, and that's that's way in the past now. I don't really think about it anymore. But back in the back in the day, I thought I should have been a first round pick, and I just wanted to go and prove that I that I was that material. Connor Zeri ranked 12th by NHL Central Scouting in North America, and like I said, everybody's pr- pretty much got you pegged in the first round. Is the draft something that you spend a lot of time thinking about? Uh, I try not to, but obviously whether it just pops up on your phone or you're scrolling somewhere, you see your name, because obviously when you're on social media, for me, it's there's a lot of hockey stuff on there, so sometimes I'll just see my name pop, pop up, whether it's uh, a ranking or whatnot like that, but yeah, I try to keep my head headspace clear of it a bit. Obviously, friends and and everything popping up, but I think it's trying to stay away from it a bit and just stick to playing my game and and having fun and enjoying the ride. Well, let's maybe uh, talk about your game for uh, the uh, uh, the fan who doesn't get a chance to watch the Blazers play. Uh, how would you describe yourself as a player? We can look at the stats line and see. Obviously, there's an offensive side to your game, but numbers don't necessarily paint the the whole picture. So, how would you describe yourself? Yeah. I think I'm a I'm a I'm a 200 foot centerman. I like to play play at both ends of the ice. I play pretty hard defensively, so so I can work uh, mainly in the defensive zone mostly, and that's I mean in the offensive zone. Sorry, I think that's where I obviously spend most of my time. So when you get in the defensive zone, you want to get out there quick. So I kind of pride myself on on really digging in there. So I think for me, it's just a fast, skilled, smart 200 foot centerman. All right. Now uh, again for. For people who don't get a chance to watch the WHL all, all that much and might not be aware of the travel and things like that, what's when you think of uh, the time that you spend on the bus, I know this weekend you're going up to PG, and that's that's a bit of a commute <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, are, yeah. Is there a memorable road trip that stands out for you? I think just for me the road trip that stands out is just being able to, to get a chance to, to head back out towards towards Saskatchewan when we, when we do that one every second year, I know. That one was pretty special for me when I was 16. Obviously, I'd I just lived my first whatever three months away from home. So mm. being able to get the chance to to go back home and play in front of my my mom and dad and my friends and family almost every game is is pretty special for me. Especially going up playing in those towns or in those cities or in those buildings is it's pretty special. 
to be able to go back and play in a, in a bigger kind of situation. Uh, third year in the WHL, uh, the same team but three different coaches, Sean Clouston uh, behind the bench this year. That I, On the surface, when I say that, that I think that must be a challenge uh, when you have three different coaches in three years. Obviously, it's not holding you guys back or anything like that, and, and Clouston's, uh, you know, he's been around the WHL for a long time, very well-respected coach, but uh, how, do, how do you... I don't want to say overcome, but is that a challenge when you have that many different uh, kind of teachers uh, in your WHL time? Uh, the way I try and look at it is it's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity. You look at it, try and look at it in a positive mindset. You, you can learn something new from every single person that you talk to kind of thing. And there's always going to be someone teaching you something different and something that you can take from everyone and put into your game. So obviously coming in at 16, having Don Hay taught me a lot of things of, of working hard and and earning what you're uh, what you're given, kind of thing, and in a reward system kind of way. And I think last year is uh, a lot of a lot of teaching too. And then this year having Sean, Sean, it's been great. He's been such a good coach for all of us. And as you can tell, being at the top of our division and, and close to the top of the league, he, he's really he's really showed us a lot and, and been a really good coach for for me personally and our whole team. Speaking of the standings, as we're speaking right now, you have a ten point lead on Victoria for top spot in the division and you're eight back of Portland for top spot in the conference. Uh, home ice advantage is so important in the playoffs. Right now you have that in the in the division, but you know, assuming let's look forward and pass the division uh, and uh, get to the conference finals, how important is it to catch Portland uh, and have home ice then? Yeah, I think it would be, it'd be huge, and that's obviously we're trying to be on top of our division. We're trying to get as high as we can in the conference. And that's why we're, we're, we're playing hard right now and we're going to keep trying winning and, and rack up points to try and run away with an online division, but try and get to that top of the conference. Connor, uh, lastly, uh, what, when you think of what a successful season would be, what has to happen for you to, to be able to, you know, a year or two to look back and say that was a great year? Yeah, I think the, the only really, the only really answer to that one would be winning the league. And, and with the squad we have here, we're such a tight knit group and, and everyone in the locker room wants to, wants to win a championship. So, I think if if that's not our goal here and that's not our mindset, uh, I don't think that's that's what we're going to do. So I think uh, everyone in the dressing room wants to win, and especially our coaches all the way down. GM, he wants to win. He showed us. We made the, made some acquisitions at the start of the year, and then we got the Bransky at, at the deadline. And I think uh, with with our group and and how we're playing right now, we're we're showing we're a championship team, and and we're going to keep building off that. Excellent, Connor. Really, I appreciate the time and uh, enjoy the conversation a lot. Best of luck the rest of the way this year. I hope we can chat again. Thank you. Appreciate it. And there's uh, Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers via the Troubled Monk hotline. And, uh, boy, when it comes to WHL forwards eligible for the draft, maybe he and Seth Jarvis might be the two hottest right now. Uh, Jake Neighbors is playing pretty good. But, uh, boy, tough to look past uh, what Connor Zeri is doing. And uh, Seth Jarvis also with the Portland Winterhawks having a, a really strong uh, second half of the season. Not that he was having a bad first half, though. And obviously some uh, top defensemen available for the draft this year coming from the West. Once again, no surprise there. One more segment to go. It's also a 2020 draft spotlight segment. My guest this time will be Jackson Coons. He's a big power forward. And when I say big, I mean six foot three and 210 pounds. And he's 17 years old playing for Shattuck St. Mary's in Minnesota getting set to start his NCAA career. Get to know him when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton Vs. Jost racing back 
at center by himself. End to end, Joe shooting, scores! Tyson Joe's does it himself, end to end with 2.11 to go. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. One hopeful road that my mama showed to me from the From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Back on the Pipeline Show, final segment of this week's episode, and we're going to keep the 2020 draft spotlight on and uh, talk to another player that is draft eligible for the upcoming NHL draft in uh, in uh, June. Uh, let's go south of the border, south of our border, uh, into the United States and back to Minnesota. We had a high schooler on uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, doing it at again. Uh, Jackson Coons, who's playing at Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Jackson. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, now, tell me about the season to this point for you and for your teammates at Shattuck, because uh, just going by stats, Looks like a pretty good year for for you and some of your line mates uh, or teammates. Uh, but how's the how's the team doing? We're doing good. Um, we had a, a pretty good start, and we've been winning some games here. Um, we kind of had a rough patch um, up in Boston a couple weeks ago, but we're bouncing back from that, and I think we're getting back on the rails here. So. For uh, the audience who might not be as familiar, and, and certainly I'm not up to speed exactly on what your schedule looks like, it's different than the, the, the normal Minnesota high school circuit. You're playing prep schools across the country. How does that work? Yeah, so, well, we play in the Minnesota High School Elite League in the fall. Are you you know what that is? Yes, yes, the Elite League in the fall before yeah. the regular season kind of gets going. Yeah, so we started with that for like a month or two months-ish, and then we get into playing other prep schools and some AAA teams from uh, pretty much everywhere across the country. And then, so we're, we're home kind of the first, mostly the first half. And then after Christmas, we start going on the road a bit more. Sounds like that's fun. Would that be a good time to get out with the, with the team and kind of have that experience? Yeah, it's awesome. I, I enjoy it. Uh, Jackson Coons is my guest, plays for uh, Shattuck St. Mary's, and I mentioned the, statistically 53 points uh, in 35 games. At least that's according to the sheet that I'm looking at, and uh, 31 of those 53 points are goals. So uh, way past a point-per-game guy and almost a goal per game uh, this year at, at Shattuck, and uh, that's coming off a, a season where you had 44 points in 33 games last year. So uh, scoring points is uh, not something new for you, but uh, how have you felt about your game on an individual basis this year? Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Obviously, I'm, I'm putting the puck in the net, and with my line mates, it, it helps. He finds me. Artem Shalane, he finds me, and I don't know, we got some good chemistry going, so it's working, I guess. I, I, I like the way uh, a, a guy always credits his line mates for his uh, personal success, but uh, who are you playing with for the most part this year? 
Um, Artem Slain and Winter Wallace, they're both eligible for this draft too, so it's fun. I think I saw in Central Scouting's rankings, uh, you and Artem Schlein are right side by side, aren't you? Yeah, I think that, yeah. Do you have a bit of a friendly competition going there? I know a lot of guys they talk to on the show, they don't even want to think about the draft. Other guys want to think about it all the time, and uh, I wonder what it's like for you two. No, I, I don't know. I think we're just kind of trying to have fun and enjoy it, and I don't know. The the points come as, as long as we're working hard and having fun, so. I mean, I guess there's a little bit, but a little bit. That's that friendly competition, yeah. though, right? And that kind of pushes both yeah. of you. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Jackson, for uh, this is the part of the show where I I get to talk to a player who's draft eligible, and my audience is across North America. But they're they when it comes to the draft and and your age group and the late the league that you play in, uh, they might be strangers to it, and so they might not know who Jackson Coons is. Uh, but come June, they might have an interest, uh, certainly if they're North Dakota fans. So uh, for the benefit of the audience, let's uh, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, where are you from? Um, I'm from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Actually, I was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I lived there for like two years, and then we moved up to Grand Forks, and I've been there ever since. All right, but you call Grand Forks home. Uh, how old were you when you yeah. first started playing? Um, well, I started skating at about three probably and then I got into actual hockey at around five and I don't know I just there's an instant love so been playing ever since then now do you remember who at that young age would have got you into playing uh or I mean was it just a case where all your buddies were doing it as well so you wanted to play too or who got you into hockey yeah I guess just at Grand Forks hockey is obviously a big thing so I don't know my parents neither of them played hockey so I guess it was kind of like a thing that everyone was doing. So my my parents are like, yeah, might as well try it. And <laughs> I'm glad they did because it worked out. Have you always been a forward, Jackson? Yeah, always. I like scoring. That's why it's the offensive side to it is uh, much more fun? Yeah, I guess at, at least when I was little. That's what my parents say. So Yeah. Don't tell Scott Morrow that he's uh, he's second in your team scoring right now, putting up a ton of numbers. We'll, yeah. we'll watch. He'll probably be on the show this time uh, next year when his, he's draft eligible. But all right, well, looking ahead and uh, you know the rest of this season with Shattuck, how long does your season go? Um, the national tournament is our last kind of go at the beginning of April. We kind of we have a spring break at the end of February, and then we that's when it kind of slows down until the tournament. So hopefully we can do some damage. Here. I know your USHL rights are, are held by uh, Green Bay, and you've played a couple of games for them this year and a couple last year as well. When you're done at Shattuck at the end of this year, will there be time where you can still get into some USHL games at the end of the year? Yeah, so that's what I did last year after the tournament. I played their last two games, and then this year hopefully they make the playoffs so I can go a little longer. But uh, Now, after uh, you're done at Shattuck and, and the USHL, it looks like, North Dakota is your uh, college of choice, and I guess that's uh, <laughs> pretty automatic for a guy from Grand Forks. A pretty easy decision for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I grew up watching, going to Sioux games every every weekend with my mom and my dad. So I don't know. I just it was always my dream to play there. So once I got the opportunity, I bounced straight on it. It's funny when I talk to a lot of players uh, who some of them end up going to North Dakota. It's the fly-in, the visit, and getting to see the Ralph firsthand and get the tour behind, uh, you know, behind the scenes and, and what that's all like. And they're so impressed by it. But it's different for you because, heck, I don't know, you might have been season ticket holders or something. So you've seen that building uh, all your life, basically. 
Uh, what is is it a little bit different uh, concept for you like that? Different perspective that you have on what it would mean to play there? Um, I guess a little bit. Just being around the rink and it's my home. You know, it, it's kind of like the heart of Grand Forks. So, hmm. um, I mean, the facility obviously doesn't get old. <laughs> that's for sure. It's the uh, nicest non-NHL building that I've ever been in. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Coons is my guest playing for Shattuck St. Mary's. 53 points right now, 31 goals in just 35 games uh, for uh, Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and, and I would be one of them, uh, can you give us a, a self-scouting report, uh, what kind of a player you are, and outside of what we can see just from the stats line, uh, but might not tell us the whole story. Um, yeah, um, I'm a big guy at 6'3", so I like to use my size and my skill around the net kind of is my strength and that's where I put in most of my goals so I mean that's just a, a quick a quick deal yeah six three and, and 210 is what central scouting has you listed at yeah uh, and somehow uh, you, you're still only 17 years old uh, that's a <laughs> that's a big fella for your age no kidding um, but right around the goal so I mean your team's got the puck in the offensive zone your job is to go to the net and create traffic and, and havoc and, and bang in some rebounds yep drive drive wide get to the net and I usually find them. How have you evolved as a player at Shattuck? You know, if you know you were a one style of player going in, and have you added things to your game since you've been there? Um, before, I guess I've never really played this good of hockey or competition, I guess, in my life. So, right. Um, coming, well, I got hurt last year. Um, at the beginning of the year, and then after, I kind of started. Coach kind of started telling me like. What, what I'm good at and whatnot. So I just kept getting better and better and listening to what he had to say. And now I've developed into um, a power, like a power forward style of, of play that can put the puck in the net. Yeah, I see last year your numbers evenly split between goals and assists, and, and you had a lot of both of them. But this year, more goals than assists. Is that a conscious thing where you're doing, where you're shooting more, or is it just because you're bigger and physical, more physically uh, advanced than a lot of the guys on the ice, I'm sure, that that's giving you those opportunities to, to win those battles in front of the net and put the puck in? Yeah, I think it's it's both, but my focus this year is kind of getting to the net more, and obviously it, it's working out. So, Have you always been one of the bigger guys uh, on the team, Jackson? I mean, at, at 6'3 and 100 and, uh, well, well, no, uh, like 200, 210 pounds, um, have you always been like the biggest kid in your class and stuff? Yeah, growing up, I was always the big boy, so I, I guess it's pretty normal for me. I'm used to it. Did you ever think of other sports like football? Yeah, I played football actually through middle school up until high school, and I played baseball actually. And then once I got to high school, I decided hockey was, was the sport. So Yeah, eventually you got to focus on one, but do you think at a younger age playing different sports made you a better hockey player in some way? Yes, 100%. It's it's good to get away from hockey a bit and then, I don't know, get other sports, other, use other muscles and just have some fun. When do you go to North Dakota? Can you go in next year? Like academically, are you ready? Or do you need a year, you know, with Green Bay or something like that before you can go? Yeah, I'm actually a junior in high school this year. So I'll probably play with Green Bay next year and then hopefully go in as a true freshman the following year. That's the goal anyways. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, physically you'd be ready for it, but 
as you mentioned, I mean, you're still 17, so uh, no rush uh, whatsoever. Yeah. Um, now, no NHL teams around Grand Forks, so did you have a favorite NHL team gr- growing up? No, not really. It was always the the fighting shoe over at the Ralph. But I don't know, got, uh, people around there usually root for the Wild, I guess, from from down here in Minnesota. That or the Jets, I suppose, or any of the teams yeah. that might have a former UND player on it. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Chicago uh, fans, and oh heck, Tucker Pullman's up in Winnipeg now, so you got that. Or mm-hmm. I should ask you about the NHL draft because we haven't touched on on that a whole lot yet. Um, but do you spend a lot of time? Just I know I talked to you about you, you know you and your teammates uh, who are eligible, but do, do you think much about the draft and? You know, some of the showcase events that are along the way that you don't get to take part in because of where you're playing, you know, the the, the top prospect game in the USHL or the All-American game or whatever, um, that you weren't a part of. Uh, what do you do to kind of stand out and make sure that the scouts are taking notice of you? Um, yeah, I don't really worry about, like, where I am this year too much because I, I made this decision to stay, and obviously that was a part of it, knowing this was my draft year. I don't know, being here is fun, and... Obviously, the draft is in the back of my mind, but it's not like 100% what I'm focused on. Obviously, I'm just trying to get get better as a player, and then hopefully things will lay out how I'd like them to. Um, what sort of things do you think you need to improve on still as a player to get better at? I mean, a lot of guys would say they got to get bigger and stronger, but uh, you're already big and you're already strong. Yeah, I'd say my, my skating needs a little bit of work. Just from being big my whole life, it's, it's kind of a thing that – um, I need to improve on. I need to get a little bit of a small guy in me, but mm-hmm. small guy's feet. But I don't know. That's that's one. That's my major thing. I'm focused on. Excellent. Well, Jackson, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season with Shattuck and uh, whatever happens in the draft. And certainly, maybe we'll talk to you down the road when you're at UND. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for contacting. That's uh, Jackson Coons from Shattuck St. Mary. And, uh, boy, talk about an intriguing prospect. Uh, you got that size and that uh, offensive ability. Obviously has a nose for the net, goes to the net. And uh, that's, as he said, scores the vast majority of his goals. Really kind of paints a picture uh, in your eye of uh, exactly what he is like. You know, big guy drives to the net and then plants himself there and to make sure that if there's a rebound, he's able to get his size or get his stick on it using his size and his probably his reach uh, to his advantage. So intriguing prospect there in Jackson Coons going to North Dakota. So you know he's going to a, a program that has produced a lot of NHL talent. So I'm intrigued by uh, Jackson Coons. And with that, that is the episode for this week. Thanks to the four guests that you heard from. And of course, they all joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And now that the show is over, take my cue from Cam Moon on the Rebels broadcast on his post-game show and Now we get to crack open a tasty beverage uh, from Troubled Monk. And uh, this week, I'm going with the uh, award-winning Open Road American Brown Ale. And uh, I met with a local rep for Troubled Monk up in the Edmonton area. Her name is Michelle. She set me up with some of the various flavors. And uh, I asked her which is her favorite. And she said her favorite is the Open Road American Brown Ale. And she reminded me that it is award-winning as well. Description on the side of the can says it's a... It's malty enough for dark beer lovers and smooth enough for those starting out on their craft beer journey. So I'm going to tap into this one right now. Ooh, that is flavorful. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, I can't recommend that enough. 
Uh, go out and pick up. You can get the uh, taster pack. It's got four of the brews in it right now, including the Open Road American Brown Ale, the Bucktooth Belgian White, as well as the uh, Gates and the Pesky Pig. Uh, but I'm going to start. I'm going to enjoy this uh, Open Road Brown Ale for the rest of this show. That was fantastic. Uh, really excited to have Troubled Monk on board as a partner. Uh, next week on the Pipeline Show, uh, more of the same as we uh, continue to drive towards down the stretch towards the playoffs in uh, all the various leagues. Be time for another U Sports update. Of course, there'll be a CHL Insider or two, and the 2020 Draft Spotlight will be on at least once next week. So lots to get to. Between now and then, I want to remind you that you can get, you can listen to all these interviews. You can wait for the full show to come out on Fridays or Saturdays, uh, or you can be one of the people that uh, sign up to be a patron and have early access. And you know, some of these interviews I did on Wednesday, one of them I did on Tuesday, uh, one of them I did just yesterday, and uh, you can you can hear those interviews basically about an hour after they're done. Uh, for instance, the, the one you just heard with Jackson Coons, that was available for patrons about 40 minutes after uh, I hung up the phone with Jackson. Quick little edit to get uh, sounding right and uh, upload it, and it's ready for patrons uh, to take advantage of. So if you'd like early access, instead of waiting for the entire episode to come out at the end of each week, go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show it's only two bucks a month automatically on your credit card so it's not like you get sent an invoice that you have to pay or anything like that it's all done automatically uh, through paypal i don't see your credit card number or anything like that so it's not like i'm going to be booking a trip to hawaii it's been really convenient and uh, i greatly appreciate the the support i know a lot there have been people over the years who have said you know if, if there was a way i could just give you a couple of bucks for a subscription uh, then i'd love to do that and i didn't want to ever go to a subscription service i mean the show when it was on radio was always free and i wanted to continue that uh, now that it is a 100 podcast and the patreon model was something uh, that would allow it's all voluntary i mean you can still get the show for free but you can sign up uh, to be a patron and you get some perks that way. So uh, it's worked out really well. All right, until next week, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.